we're going to continue with our series, our little mini series on joy. We've paused the book of Acts until after the first of the year, and we're going to spend a couple of weeks on joy, and then um, today will be actually our last two-service Sunday, and so uh, next Sunday will, not next Sunday, this coming Friday, we'll have our candlelight service at 5 p.m., so you need to be ready for that. It'll be a great time, actual candlelights for the kid, for the adults, glow sticks for the kids. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so it's going to be a great time. So this coming Friday, we're going we're gonna to meet together for a candlelight service at 5 o'clock. And then the following Sunday, the 26th, we will not meet in person. So if you come to the building, you're going to be here by yourself. If you text me, I might give you the combination to the key and you can come inside and do whatever you want, but we're, nobody else is going to be here. We're going to be online for the 26th, okay? So we're calling it Church at Home. It'll be a great time. Uh, some members of our worship team will help lead worship during that online service. And so it's going to be a good time. So that's what's coming up right away. And then we'll be back together again on January the 2nd. And that will be for one service. Amen? <clears throat> so just a little rundown of what's coming uh, so we're going to wrap up uh, the joy series today, and the title of my message is Joy Killers and Joy Fillers. How many of you know there's some joy killers out there? I mean, just some things that just take your joy in a heartbeat, right? Knock you off your feet, you're having a great day, and all of a sudden one of these things happens, and boom, there it is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Shake your head, raise your hand, do something. Yeah, we all experience it. Um... So it's, it's a sense that this year there's a high demand for, for us to experience the joy of Christmas like never before. I really feel a deep longing in my heart for joy. I really do. I actually received a prophecy uh, last week or the week before that, we're, that our church is getting ready to go into a season of joy. In fact, in the next eight weeks or so, we're going to start to experience a, a, a season. And he talked about a long season of joy. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some joy. Come on, somebody. Right? How many of you can say, I could use a whole lot of joy? Like, I'm going to be stingy and get as much as I can. I'm going to be greedy, get as much as I can. Unfortunately, though, due to technology, uh, we have access to everything in the world today, and most of that information we get is bad. Right? I mean, it's hard to find good information these days, it seems like. And so for some of you today that you've been discouraged and you've been not in a good place, hopefully this message is for you. So I want to show you today how God has promised you joy. Look at your neighbor and say, God promised you joy. Yeah, he promised you joy. Yeah, even you. Yep, with all your past and all your garbage and all your baggage and the stuff you still got in the trunk, he promised joy to you too. Let me show you to you. The first announcement about Christmas came with a promise about joy. In Luke chapter 2, an angel appeared to some shepherds out in the field. The shepherds were out in the field watching their flocks, and the angel appeared to them. And this is what he said. He said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Say that with me. Say all people. Yeah, so guess what? You're all people. <laughs> it's a tough crowd. Yeah. You're all people. I don't know if you came to church today realizing it or not, but you're all people. And God loves you and God is for you and he's not against you. And he promised you joy. And here's the thing that you need to walk away with today. When God promises something, he keeps his promise. 
Every single time he keeps his promise, he never returns or never holds back his promises. God is always on time and God is always keeping his promises. Amen? Question for you, you ever wonder why the angel appeared to shepherds? I believe there's a, a, a number of reasons why he appeared to shepherds first, but one reason I wanna, pay, I wanna uh, show you today is that, is that going to shepherds first was, was, was telling everybody else that, that I'm, I'm here, I'm available, this promise is for everyone, even the shepherd, out in the field, not where everybody else is, smelling like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> living like that promise is even for the shepherds. But he promised, he said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. What you gotta understand is that joy is not based on situation, it's based on revelation. I'm gonna say that again a little bit slower. Joy is not based on your situation. It's based on your revelation. What does that mean? That means your revelation of who Jesus is. How you know Jesus. I can watch and listen and, and, and evaluate how people respond to certain circumstances in life and I can tell you almost to the T what their revelation of Jesus is whether it's a good revelation or whether it's not. I can tell you whether they came from a religious background or they have a deep relationship with Jesus. Because how you respond when you go through certain things speaks about the revelation that you understand. If you know that you know that you know that Jesus is a deliverer, you can walk through anything with your chin up and a smile on your face because you know that he delivered once, he'll deliver again. Amen? It's a revelation of who Jesus is. It's a revelation of who I am. Who are you? I asked the first service this question. I'll ask you too. How much are you worth? <laughs> you want to know how much you're worth? I'm going to tell you how much each one of you is worth. You ready? You're worth Jesus. You're worth Jesus hanging on a cross. You're worth Jesus raising from a grave. You see, real joy comes when you get a revelation of who God is and who you are. Because most of us can accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and our evaluation, our revelation of Jesus is good, but if we're not careful, our revelation of ourselves can still be skewed. So you can be in a deep relationship with Jesus, but still not understand who you are. And so what you end up doing is you end up living in past habits and, and past patterns and under old curses because you did not realize, you did not have the revelation that when you met Jesus, that was all done with, dealt with, gone. So you'll be in a deep relationship with Jesus, but at the same time, you're living bound up, stuck in old patterns and habits. And the whole time, you don't even have to. Isn't that good? Joy doesn't come from feelings, it comes by faith. How many of you know feelings are bad leaders? Right? They'll get you in trouble every time. Well, I don't feel like, well that's the same thing your kids say. They don't feel like going to school. Do they go to school? They better, right? 
Feelings are bad leaders. So I want you to understand that today we can't afford to be ignorant about biblical joy anymore. I got a good feeling it's not going to get much better around here. You better know where your joy comes from and you better learn how to hang on to it and you better have a good revelation of who Jesus is and you better really know who you are in Christ because of the times that we're going into. So let me talk about a couple of joy killers this morning. I want to give you three of them if you're taking notes. The first joy killer is pain. Your favorite word, pain. Come on, somebody. You love you some pain. How many of you wake up in the morning and say, I need me some more pain? How many of you have experienced pain? <laughs> at various degrees, at various levels, at different times in your life, right? We've all experienced pain. Before I was in my 30s, I'd done lost several of my very close family members, including my mom. I know what pain is and it hurts and it's deep and it's agonizing and it's, it'll crumble you and crush you and it'll do all these things to you. And then God called me into the ministry and I didn't read the fine print. And the fine print says that I'm gonna walk not only in my own pain, but I'm gonna walk with other people in their pain. There's a lot of pain, right? Pain can be a joy killer. So over the past 15 years, I've walked with other people as they've walked through some excruciating times. I've wept countless times with people either wrestling through a divorce or wrestling to try to save their marriage or dealing with a, a runaway kid or even dealing with death or loss. Last couple of years has been tough. I get tired of saying it's been tough. <laughs> can I just be honest? I'm tired of talking about the last couple of years, but you just can't seem to get away from it, can you? Because it's been real. This week, the Surgeon General issued a, 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 an advisory, a warning of a massive mental health crisis among young people. I want you to listen carefully. There's been a massive increase in suicides, depression, and anxiety like never before. We can't afford to be clueless to where our kids are. Can I say that one more time? We can't afford to be clueless or non-existent to where our kids are, how they're feeling, what they're responding to, what they look like when they walk in. If you see something different, listen to me. You better go and engage with your kid. You better go and dig into what's going on. Because you know it's bad even when the world starts to say that we're in a crisis. The counselors have been saying this for years. One statistic shows that one in three high school students and half of female students reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. That's an increase of 40% since 2009. Pain is a joy killer. Maybe religion lied to you and said that when you gave your life to Jesus, you would never experience pain. And now that you've experienced pain after you gave your life to Jesus, you're mad at God. Jesus never said that. Maybe a man told you that, but Jesus never said that. Jesus never said you would be born again and then never experience pain. 
In fact, he said the total opposite. Watch what he says in John chapter 16 and verse 33. He says, in this world, as long as we are in this world, you will have trouble. Newsflash, super encouraging. You will have trouble till Jesus comes back or you die, one or the other. But, there's always a good but in the Bible. Come on, somebody. That's why we need to have our butts in the Bible. <laughs> there's a good but in the Bible. The Bible says, Jesus said, but take heart. Watch this now. For I have overcome the world. So yes, you will have trouble, but you will also overcome as long as you continue to follow the overcomer. We want victory, but we don't want to follow Jesus. We want to overcome, but we don't want to walk with Jesus. So when you have joy, it doesn't mean that you won't have pain. Do you know you can have both at the same time? Simultaneously? You can have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, and you can have extreme pain at the same time. You ever go through something and then look back and go, like we just made it through that. You ever do that? Like you went through something and you didn't even realize it was as bad as it was until you told somebody your story and they're going, you know what got you through? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You hung on to your joy. You didn't let the circumstance or the situation steal your joy and then take your strength from you. You stayed strong through the whole thing, but I didn't feel like I was strong, but you were strong. You know why it's good to have other people in your life? Encouragement. My wife and I have been seeing a dietitian. Can't you tell? <laughs> Say yes, hurry up. Say yes, okay. I'm talking about encouragement. And, and she was trying to set us up for the holidays, like make us, you know, make a plan, you know. And I, and I messed up. I said, well, we ain't got to worry about when we go to my dad's place because like those folks can't cook. So there won't be no struggles over there. Well, we ate out the whole stinking time and we failed at my dad's house. And I'm like, God. So we came out of Thanksgiving, me and Cheryl were kind of beat down, ready to give up because you know how it gets. Come on, somebody. We live in South Louisiana. And we sat with our dietitian and she asked us how it went and we told her how it went and we told her how we, we tried to do this and we tried to do that. And she sat back and she heard our story and she said, well, I think y'all did pretty good. And I was like, really? She said, yeah, but something happened to me in that moment. Watch this. I realized that I didn't understand how I made it through what I went through. But it took somebody else when I shared my story with them to tell me you did better than you thought. Isn't that good? You did better than you thought. So in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you know that joy is supernatural? It's not superficial. It's supernatural. It defies all logic, this joy that Jesus promises to us. That's why when you go through stuff and you got the joy of the Lord in your heart, people go, you sure you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. It hurts, but I'm good. Does that make sense? So pain can be a joy killer. Number two, comparison can be a joy killer. 
Do you compare yourself to others? Don't raise your hands. Mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. Listen to Proverbs 14.30. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy. Watch this. Jealousy, which comes from comparing yourself to somebody else. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. There's a medical term for that, multiple myeloma. That's cancer in the bones. Comparing yourself to other people and allowing yourself to become jealous can be like cancer in your bones. It'll steal your joy. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. You've been on social media lately, haven't you? Most of you, some of you. You're scrolling through and you see somebody else's Christmas tree and you go, oh, that's it. Next year, I'm going all out. Maybe you're into these light battles in your neighborhood and, you're, and your neighbor just blings it all out and you see it and you go, mm, that's it. I'm gonna finally give me a financial budget just so that I can beat my neighbor with the Christmas lights next year. Come on, if you're a mom, you can get caught up in comparison, can't you? You're scrolling through, you see one of your friends fixing their kids a nice healthy lunch for school and you're slinging a, a, a snack pack into their book bag and kicking them out the door last minute because they're always late. Comparison. One of your friends got in shape, went to the gym, got all ripped up and you're looking at them with a bowl of bluebell in your hand. <laughs> Let me give you some encouragement. They're not happy. They might be ripped, but they're not happy. You are happy. <laughs> you know it's true. Listen to this. Researchers in the college took, took a bunch of students and had them on Facebook for a half an hour. Evaluated them before they went on social media and then allowed them to be on social media for a half hour and then reevaluated them afterwards Watch this, one third of those students reported significant depression after one half hour on social media. I'm not anti-social media, I, I, I'm on social media. I don't, I'm not anti, it's not the devil. It is a distraction, but it's not the devil. But if your heart ain't right and you don't know where your joy comes from, you'll get yourself up on a little thing like Facebook and it will wreck your day. And then this is what happens. You'll find yourself in a condition called disappointment. You know why? Because Satan is a liar. And he's always trying to convince you of some things. Here's a few things Satan's always trying to forget, uh, convince you of. He's trying to convince you that God's forgotten you. He's trying to convince you that God hears everybody else but you. And he's also trying to convince you that God wants to bless everybody else but you. And if you don't pay attention to what, the lie that you're believing and come against that lie that you're believing, you will live on the street called disappointment. And that's disappointing. When God has called you to live on the street called abundance and joy, but yet if you're not careful and you compare yourselves to others, you'll find yourself in disappointment. 
You see, the funny thing about comparison is, is that it, it makes you do one or two things. It makes you either inferior or it makes you think you're superior. But here's the bad news. Neither one of those honor God. Because if you think less of yourself, that doesn't honor God. Because he sent his son for you. And if you think too much of yourself, that doesn't honor God either because you're full of pride. Come on. Quit comparing. It'll steal your joy. So let me help you out. Christmas is not about the perfect meal or the perfect gifts. It's more about you being fully present and enjoying the people and the moment that God has for you. So can you just let that go today? That everything has to be just right? Can you just let that go and just enjoy the moment? Enjoy the season and whoever you find yourself with this Christmas, enjoy that. Make the most of it. You know, sometimes it's the imperfections that make things fun. Amen, pastor. Third joy killer is expectations. Unrealistic expectations to be in fact. Do you know the distance between your expectation and your experience? You know what that distance is called? Between what you expected and what you experienced? That's that's called the degree of disappointment that you live in. When God doesn't show up like you want him to show up and he doesn't show up when you wanted him to show up or how you wanted him to show up, you had an expectation of God to do a certain thing, but he didn't, and what, but what you experienced was less than what you ex- expected, that, that space in there, that's your degree of disappointment. And you're gonna have to deal with that. Do you know it's okay to go to God and say, why didn't you show up like I prayed? Do you know it's okay to go to God and say, I asked you to heal this, why didn't you heal it? Come on. Do you know it's okay to say that? Am I in the right church? Do you know it's okay to tell God you're disappointed? God, I'm mad, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm disappointed. I'm fashé, I'm boudin. He understands all of that. God, I'm mad. Don't live with your disappointment. Deal with your disappointment. Go to God and process it out. I had to do that with my mom. She was 45 when she died. I was in my 20s. God, why didn't you heal her? Why'd you take her? Why'd she have to go now? guess what I'm really saying is you don't have to stay in the neighborhood called disappointment. You can move. <laughs> you can move. You see, when you stay in disappointment too long, the enemy of your soul wants to come and kill your joy. You know why he wants to kill your joy? Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's he really after, your joy or your strength? He's after your strength, but what's, how does he get there? Through joy. So if I can take their joy, I can zap their strength.
You see, when I lose joy, it's because I lose sight of what only Jesus can give me. My wife, as amazing as she is, is not responsible for my joy. My kids aren't responsible for my joy. This church isn't responsible for my joy. I am responsible for my joy. It was a gift given to me. I'm the one responsible to manage that gift, to learn to live with that gift. I'm the one responsible to enjoy that gift, to take care of that gift. If you give little Johnny a bicycle and he leaves it by the curb of the street every night, sooner or later, somebody gonna come and steal little Johnny's bicycle. Well, whose fault was it? Was it the thief's fault? No, it wasn't the thief's fault. It's little Johnny's fault because he left his bicycle by the street. So don't get mad at the thief. You're the one that was irresponsible with your gift. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Getting mad at God because you don't have joy. He's like, I gave it to you. What'd you do with it? I left it by the street. Somebody took it. You know what's funny is when, when your joy gets stolen or your joy gets under attack, you know what we tend to do? We tend to point fingers at everybody else, don't we? Well, it's all you. If you would act right, I'd have joy. You sure it's me? Like, really? You're giving me too much power. A couple of joy killers, pain, comparison, expectations, especially those unrealistic ones. <laughs> I tell you, the older I get, the more I'm going, whatever, Jesus, just whatever. Like, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever. I know you're going to show up. I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know you're going before me. I know you're going to provide everything I need, but just whatever. I'll give you this day, whatever you want to do with it, let's go, whatever. So Jesus tells us how to get joy. By the way, you can't DoorDash it or Amazon it. And you can't borrow it from a friend. Come on, somebody. <laughs> So let me give you a couple ways to feel your joy. Number one, you need to first receive joy. You gotta first be able to receive joy. Because it's hard to experience something you don't have. Right? Come on, say it with me real slow. Right? My wife picks on me when I say right too much. Right? <laughs> receive joy. Some people try to work hard for joy. They try to believe they can perform their way into joy. You can't perform your way into joy. You can be succeeding in your performance and struggling in your joy at the same time. Isn't it funny how we get caught up in this lie that the next thing or when this thing finally happens or when I get a raise or, or when this and when I lose, I've been waiting on when I'm gonna lose the weight for a long time. It ain't got lost. Every time I lose it, it comes back. It's like that dog you feed and it just comes back. Joy is found in a person named Jesus. And he didn't come to, to make you religious. He came to establish a relationship with you. A back and forth relationship. One where you talk and he talks. You listen and he listens. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. 
So let me show you what Jesus said in, in John chapter 15. Listen to these words. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Come on, somebody. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Say it again. Nothing. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled, watch this, with my joy. Why did he tell us about the vine and the branches? Why did he tell us four times to remain in him so that you would experience his joy? Watch this. Yes, your joy will overflow. You know what that tells me? I don't have the capacity to take, to handle all of the joy that Jesus can pour into my life. Because when he pours it out like he wants to pour it out, it overflows and that's a good thing. Come on somebody, you need to be spilling joy everywhere you go. Oh sorry, spilt a little joy. What's he getting after here? Here's the secret, remain. When all hell breaks loose, remain. When you're in the middle of a crisis, remain. When you're being threatened to lose everything, remain. When you get a bad report from the doctor, remain. Just stay. That word remain is the Greek word meno, which means this. It means to stay, to abide, to continue, to dwell. That means to hang out. It means to endure, to be present, to stand, and to tarry. That's what that word remained means. Be present. When you're going through your difficult situation, what's the first thing off the table? You need to know this about yourself. What's the first thing that comes off the table when you come under attack? When your joy is under attack, what's the first thing that gets lost? I'll tell you from 15 years of pastoring, these are the top two that usually get lost. Prayer life and Bible time. Okay, so that's true. So what do you do about it? The minute you don't feel like praying, you need to dig in and you need to pray. The minute you don't feel like reading your Bible, you need to kick the door open to your study and you need to open your Bible and you need to cram it down your throat. The minute you don't feel like being in the presence of Jesus is the minute you need to step into the presence of Jesus because it's what the enemy's after. You know what he wants to do? He wants to sever you from the vine. He wants a disconnect. Because if I can disconnect you from the vine, I've just disconnected you from your source of strength and life and liberty. I've just disconnected you from all of that. I got you now. Countless times, people come to my office, we set up counseling meetings, and they sit there, and they tell me about what they're going through, and this is usually my first question. And I listen, and I go, okay. Um, so how's your prayer life lately? This is what happens. You haven't been praying much? No. 
When's the last time you read your Bible? It's been a while, Pastor. Yeah. You let the enemy took it from you. He took it. He took it from you. You let him take it. Don't give me that mess about you ain't got time. You make time for what you want to make time for. It ain't your time. That's not the issue. You're letting the enemy take it from you. When's the last time you sat with Jesus and hashed out your problems? When's the last time you went to Jesus with this problem that you're coming to me with? Because a lot of times you think, I'm Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I'm Jamie. Far away from Jesus. Well, not that far. But I'm just Jamie, and he'll use me. But do you know you got access to him first? And have you taken this current problem and gone to Jesus with it? Well, no, I don't feel like I can. Okay, there's the problem. There's the root of the problem is you let the enemy take and sever your relationship with Jesus. You're no longer remaining in him. You didn't stay. Instead, you left. He didn't leave you. You left him. You allowed the enemy to disconnect you from the presence of Jesus. So what do you do? Now you go back. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You go back. What do I do? Go sit with Jesus. Like, like how do I do that? Like sit your butt down in a quiet room and talk to Jesus. You're probably going to need to say you're sorry. <laughs> it's been my experience. I'm just telling you. And then something incredible happens. Something supernatural happens. So if the enemy comes and he, he, he's trying to disconnect you from the vine, reconnect. If you're feeling like pulling away, pull in. Press in. Stay in. That's why I challenge you to be at church 52 times a year. Just come to church 52 times a year. It'll help you. Not only do you get to see me 52 times a year, look at what happens. Listen to what the psalmist said in verse 30, I mean chapter 30. He says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with what? Joy. That I might sing praises to you, watch this, and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. You were walking around depressed, but because of Jesus, you're now dancing and singing. Come on, somebody, you experienced that before? You experience that moment when you come back to Jesus and he shows up and he meets you right where you're at and he restores you and you walked in depressed, but you came out singing and dancing? When's the last time you danced around the house because you, you, you just sensed the joy of the Lord stronger than ever before? You never know at my house. Anybody could bust out dancing at any time. Just warning you, Emma. It could happen. You were wearing sadness. But Jesus upgraded your wardrobe. He restyled you with some joy. Come back. Receive it. 
Look at your neighbor and say, joy looks good on you. That was weak as all get out. Look at your neighbor like you got a little bit of joy in you and say, boy, that joy looks really good on you. Yeah, look at the other neighbor. Tell them too. They need to hear it too. So joy fillers, receive joy. Number two, choose joy. Oh, this is so good. Psalms 118, listen to what the psalmist says. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some translations say, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now watch, this is what's really cool about this, this psalm. Is he saying that at the beginning of his day? He's saying it before he has his day. He wakes up, puts his feet on the ground as he says, this is the day the Lord has made. Watch this, here's the choice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What does that mean? That means I'm choosing to walk with joy today and I'm gonna let my circumstances run into my joy instead of my joy run into my circumstances and my circumstances jack me all up. I'm gonna come today, I'm gonna walk into this day full of joy, declaring that I will rejoice and be glad in it no matter what happens. I'm gonna walk into this day and my circumstances are gonna have to deal with my joy. Come on, something's gotta shift. Something's got to transfer. Something's got to transform in you today. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm one of his children. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Then put your consoles on and go to work. Come on. You'll never forget this. Joy before consoles. That's going to stick. I'm telling you right now, that's going to stick. That is going to stick. The psalmist said this before he even knew how his day would go. Wow. You know what's funny is sometimes we just think we're just going to accidentally wake up to joy. You went to bed with all the problems you were thinking about tomorrow that were potentially going to happen and you're expecting to wake up with joy? You're laying in the bed with disappointment and, and discouragement for tomorrow and you want to wake up with joy? Yep. So before joy is ever in any emotion, it is a choice. It is a choice. You need to understand that God's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I saw a dad the other day at Walmart. He, he was pushing his little boy in the buggy. And I don't know what it is about demonic manifestations at Walmart, but this little boy was manifesting. The demons were just coming out left and right. Don't laugh, your kids did that too. So did mine. I've done it a few times. <laughs> but he's pushing, he's pushing his boy in the car and the boy's just, he just can't, he can't, can't get it under control. The little kid's losing it. And, and the dad just keeps going, calm down, Albert. It's gonna be all right, Albert. Don't cry, Albert. Be nice, Albert. And he's just going on and on. This lady walks up, she goes, sir, you're really gentle with Albert. And he looks at her and he goes, ma'am, I am Albert. I am Albert. <laughs> Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You've been there and done that. He's like, calm down, calm down. If you, if you feel with the Holy Ghost, you're going, shut the bakaraba, shun little kurabo, shit to the Hey, Susie, shut the bakaraba, shit to the kurabo, I'm going to strangle you, you little rat. Before it's ever an emotion, it's a choice.
Can't blame nobody else for my lack of joy. God gave it to me. He gave it to me. Remember last week I told you we need to be like those little kids at Christmas time when you give them a present and their little brother or sister or somebody else tries to take it and they go, mine, mine. That's how we need to be with joy. It's mine. Number three, let me review real quick. Number one, we receive joy. Number two, we choose joy. And then number three, we give joy. But you gotta understand, you can't give what you don't have, right? God brought the good news to us today. And here's the question. Do you wanna know Jesus? So I'm gonna do two things this morning. First, I'm gonna give those who may not know Jesus a chance to meet him. Then I'm gonna give all the rest of us who have been distracted by life and everything else a chance to repent. So bow your heads with me this morning. Close your eyes. No looking around. This is a private moment. Have you walked in here today and can you honestly say that you know Jesus or maybe that you don't? Have you've never given your life to Jesus? Have you've never encountered him or felt his presence before. If that's you, I want to just take a moment real quick. Nobody's looking around. You want to meet Jesus today? If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Whoever you are, if you've never met him before, I see you. I see you. Let's pray this together. Everybody. Lord Jesus, I come today admitting that I'm a sinner in need of a sacrifice. I can't afford to pay for my sins. But I know that Jesus, on the cross, you paid for him. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the grave and that what you did on the cross more than enough to pay for my sins. So today, I want to make a confession. Jesus, you're my Lord. I give you my life. I give you all that I have, all that I am. I give it to you today. Would you save me? And would you fill me with your spirit? In Jesus' name.